everyone. Welcome to Everyday Theologian, where we educate, empower, and equip you to know why you believe what you believe. Welcome back to Everyday Theologian. We are glad you're joining us again. I hope that you um, feel this excitement in your bones as we jump into some fun topics today. But first, I would love to read scripture to you. Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus is speaking and he says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, but loving God with my mind can sometimes be challenging. It takes work, discipline, patience, study, and studying the revelations that God has given us about himself is a great way to love him with our mind. While we love God with our mind, in return, this will help us love others more. And I don't know about you, But this is great motivation for me to dive into the Bible. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about why theology. This week, we're going to talk about why dogma and doctrine. What is the difference between the two? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't even know what those words mean. We will definitely get into that. Remember, you do not have to have a PhD. You do not have to be a pastor to understand your faith. So put your seatbelt on and enjoy this ride. It's going to be fun. So theology, if you remember, it's the study of God. This involves our thoughts about him, our conversations about him, but not just thoughts and conversations. This also um, means how we put those to our lives, how we apply those to our lives. So theology is not just something that you think. Theology is something that you do. And our theology stems from dogma and doctrine. So doctrine is the teachings that are taught by a belief system. For instance, Christian doctrine would be the foundation of what is taught within a church body. Doctrine is different than the word dogma. Dogma is a core belief of what Christians believe. So simply put, there are beliefs that Christians must hold to to be Christians. There isn't wiggle room in the core Christian beliefs. This would be undeniable certainty of the faith. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus would be placed in a dogma circle. So we're going to talk about three different circles. And if you had a piece of paper and a pen, um, maybe you have the opportunity to run and grab a piece of paper and a pen. But if not, visualize this in your mind. A small circle with the word dogma in it. And remember, this is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Um, Salvation, right? This is the way that we become right in a right relationship with God. This is the core belief of Christians. Now, if we were to put 
a bigger circle outside of that one, you could write the word doctrine in it. And this is where things kind of, you know, start splitting hairs. We have different denominations that believe um, different doctrines. Discussing different views is a great way to sharpen faith and to spur one another, um, challenge one another to uh, really understand why you believe what you believe. But regardless of different theological and denominational views, there are core doctrines that most Christians have. So remember, this is the second circle. We're talking about doctrine. These, uh, these beliefs have been the foundation of the church since the beginning. This would be Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. These are not the doctrines that I'm about to share are not new doctrines. They are doctrines that have been part of the church for um, its entirety, basically. So I'm going to share with you the doctrines of everyday theologian. And after we talk about the doctrines, we could draw another circle outside of this. And this would be, um, you know, our personal convictions, right? This would be um, maybe with the topic of alcohol. Should we drink alcohol or abstain from alcohol or clothing issues? What type of clothing should we wear? Swimsuits, freedom gospel issues. So, um these would essentially be third-level issues. Doctrine would be second-level issues. And um, dogma would be first-level issues. Now, sometimes people place doctrines, certain doctrines, into a dogma um, category. So they would take a second-level issue, place it into a first-level sphere, and say, in order to be a follower of Christ, you have to adhere to these beliefs. Certain churches do that with their doctrinal statements. Um, however, there are, I personally believe, some doctrines that would be first-level issues. So I'm ho I hope I'm not all over the place with this. I will be putting this um, an example of the levels on uh, the blog post this week. But first, I want to share with you everyday theologians doctrinal statement and um, I I'm putting this out there because we don't want to be swayed back and forth with every theological teaching that comes our way we want um, to have a foundation of what we believe so um, everything that we teach on this platform will stem from these doctrinal issues um, being our foundation we may talk about different things, but I'm putting out there and having you understand where we're coming from with our foundational beliefs. So we'll just jump into it. We believe in the inspiration of scripture. Inspiration would be a first level um, issue. So we believe that the Bible is the living word of God. Now, there are other second level issues that stem from inspiration that we do believe. For instance, we believe in the inerrancy, the infallibility, the um, authority of scripture. So what all am I saying with that? We are believing that the Bible is the word of God inspired by God. Um, that it is inerrant, that it has no error in it, that it is infallible, that it could not have any error in it, and that it is authoritative. So um, 
whatever I think, I will put it against the Bible and submit to the word of God. So I submit my life to um, what it says. It is the authority over me. There are accounts in the Bible that are not glorifying to God. So let's take the fall of man, for example. We see this recorded in the Bible that um, Eve sinned against God, right? That is not a glorifying thing to God. Sin is not a glorifying thing to God. However, it is recorded in there um, for us. So the Bible does not condone everything that it records. There are um, quotes in the Bible that are not quotes from God. For instance, in Genesis chapter 3, we're talking about the fall of man. There is uh, quotes from Satan. In the book, Exploring Christian Theology, which I will also put um, within the blog post this week, the Bible, um, this quote is said, and I absolutely love it, that the Bible is not verifying these false statements. It's quoting them accurately. This is why we clarify that scripture is true in all that it affirms, but it does not affirm everything it accurately reports. Um, So another example of what I'm saying is Genesis chapter 4. We see Cain killing his brother Abel. Now, the Bible accurately reports this story, but the Bible does not um, condone the actions of murder. So this is why it's so incredibly important to understand context, right? To know that the verse that you are reading is within a chapter, within a book, within um, the entire 66 books of the Bible, and how does the context play out with um, the character and nature of God. So the second thing that I would like to add with our doctrinal statement is that we believe in one eternal God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is the creator of all things. We believe in the full deity and humanity of Jesus, that he was fully God and fully man, born of a virgin while on earth. We believe that the Holy Spirit dwells um, in the lives of all believers. So within the context of the Trinity, we will not fully understand this theology, this side of heaven. And what do I mean by that? Remember that theology is faith-seeking understanding. So we have a faith, and we are um, putting our mind to work, right? The verse I read at the beginning in Luke, we're putting our mind to work to um, love God with it, right? To study, to love God with our mind. So when we talk about the doctrine of the Trinity, how God is one God in three persons, that sounds mind-blowing. We um, in a fallen state, living on earth, we, we don't fully grasp that. Now, maybe you have heard um, teachings before about uh, how there's this egg and it has the yolk and it has the shell and um, all of that stuff. And <laughs> maybe you've heard um, the analogy of the water. You have liquid water and then you can freeze it and it turns into ice or you can put it on the stove and then it evaporates and all of these analogies that humans have tried to use to uh, give examples of the Trinity, which I'm not saying that they're bad analogies. I'm just saying that 
even, even with the analogies, we still don't fully grasp the doctrine of the Trinity, but we have the faith to believe in the Trinity. So theology is not um, trying to understand something to arrive at faith. It's faith and trying to understand the faith that we already have. So with the Trinity, we do at Everyday Theologian believe in one God who exists in three persons. So Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. They are, it's one God, but they are three different persons. We believe in the total depravity of humanity. So what do I mean by that? Total depravity um, basically means that if we were left to our own device, we would choose sin every time. And we can go back um, have how we've been talking about the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. We have Eve in the Garden of Eden. Everything is perfect. Sin has not entered the world yet. But something inside of her desire to disobey God. Through this sin, through Adam and Eve's sin, um, we are now born into sin. So we have sin inside of us. A quick example of that would be uh, my two-year-old. Her name is Sophie. She has a baby brother named Samuel. And I have never taught Sophie to walk up and hit Samuel in the face. She has taken that upon herself. And of course, like we do the timeout, you know, all of the things so I, I don't want you to get on to me right now about this example. But what I'm getting at is she's two years old and she disobeys. She um, she sometimes doesn't listen. And it's not because I've taught her to do that. It's because that is within her. Sin is within her and it is within every person um, born on earth. So uh, maybe you've looked around before and thought, wow. Things seem kind of bad here. Maybe my example of my two-year-old wasn't um, wasn't sufficient for you. But let's just say that you've woke up and you've turned on the news or whatever media outlet you, you may um, enjoy watching or not enjoy watching. But unfortunately, maybe you just heard about it, right? So this is probably not the first time you've thought, wow, things seem kind of bad here at times. Yes, that would be because of sin. That would be because of the fall in Genesis chapter 3 that we continue to refer to. Um, That would be because of the depravity of humanity, right? When sin entered the world, we know that it it affected everything. It affected um, nature. It affected humanity. Um, So that is where we're living now. And we, we believe in the total depravity of humanity. Now, how does this doctrine align with uh, soteriology, which would be the the understanding of salvation, right? So uh, sometimes you may hear me say big words. Don't get sidetracked by them because I will always tell you what they mean. So the theology of soteriology is regarding to salvation. So if we believe that... Um, humanity left to their own device would choose sin every time, then there is a huge, huge problem with us, right? That must be resolved in order to have a right relationship with God. 
So with salvation, we believe that it is a gift from God through Jesus in his sacrifice on the cross. There was a punishment to be taken because of our sin. We deserved death, right? Maybe you've heard of the Roman road. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll walk you through it another time. But for time's sake, in uh, Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we, because of our sin, we have fallen short of his glory. And the wages of those um, of that sin is death. We deserve death. We deserve to be separated from God for eternity because of the sin. Now, Christ gave us the uh, gift of salvation, the free gift that we could not work for on the cross when he atoned for that sin that we committed. So salvation, which simply means saving someone from evil, we do not have the ability to save ourselves from evil evil because it is within us, right? Um, Salvation is a gift from God by faith alone, through grace alone, from God alone, right? If we confess with our mouth, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts that God saved him, that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved, You don't have to do anything. You don't have to uh, work for salvation. Honestly, if you worked as hard as you could your entire life doing whatever you think is good, feeding the homeless, picking up trash, you name it, (laughs) if you woke up and said, I'm going to do as much good as I can today, it would still not be good enough in God's eyes to atone for the evil that is within you the sin that is born, um, that you are born with inside of you. Uh, Isaiah 54 verse 6 reminds us that our best day is like filthy rags before the Lord. We cannot work hard enough to earn salvation. It is a gift from God. We believe that after Jesus died on the cross, he physically rose again three days later and that he is sitting at the right hand of God of the Father interceding for his people. Now, you may wonder, well, why is it so important that Jesus physically rose again? So if Jesus did not physically rise again in bodily form, there is no hope for mankind. There is no Christianity. We would still be living in our sin. We would still be eternally separated from God. This doctrine is where our entire faith is based on. Without this piece of doctrine, all the other doctrines, all the other beliefs, theology, it all goes to the wayside because our hope is in the belief that Jesus is alive today, that he uh, was resurrected three days after his death uh, physically and that he is at the right hand of God today. Now, that was Jesus's first coming. We also believe in a second coming. We believe that Jesus will physically return again for his people. There are multiple theological views on the book of Revelation. It is the last book in your Bible. I don't know many people who wake up 
uh, get their coffee and say, I cannot wait to dive into the book of Revelation today. Uh, If that's you, that is absolutely awesome and help your neighbor understand and love this book as well. But uh, for right now, let's just say that maybe Revelation is confusing. Maybe when you hear people talk about post-tribulation, pre-tribulation, maybe that is confusing. Maybe I'm being confusing because you don't even know what I'm talking about. All I want you to know right now is the book of Revelation is a book of hope for you. This book is so exciting because it fulfills the promise that Jesus told us that he will return again. He will return for his church. So without discussing everything else that comes with the book, let's just rest right now and let's just be in awe at the fact that one day Jesus will come again. And the sin that we talked about, that uh, the depravity of humanity that is within us from Genesis chapter 3, from the fall, um, that that sin will be no more. It will be no more. Uh, sin started in a garden in Genesis chapter 3, and in Revelation chapter 22, it leaves a garden forever. So um, remember, friends, that Christian doctrine is relevant, right, because it's the foundation of our beliefs. So uh, the dogma that we talked about in the first circle that you had in your mind, that is something that unites believers. Most of the doctrine that I said today unites believers. Let's rejoice in that unity. Even with the different denominations, uh, the second level issues, right? And we're going to get into that later. But right now, let's just be encouraged that uh, within denominations, there is a unity with the death, burial, and resurrection. And most of this doctrine that unites Christians as fellow sisters and brothers in Christ. So let's be excited about this. Let's understand our beliefs. These are core beliefs, you guys. Let's understand them because the way that you live your life stems from what you believe about God, from what you believe about these doctrines, um, how you view marriage, your friendship, immigration, abortion, any topic stems from your core beliefs, right? And um, how you view God is is the, the most important thing about you. So today, I hope that this was encouraging. And let's, con- let's continue to study to show ourselves approved. And uh, we will see you next week. Don't forget to check out everydaytheologian.life for more biblical and theological resources and also some exclusive merchandise.